0: It's an odd way that our minds work. And dealing with how our minds work is why we are all here in great part. Because we recognize that we have these strange mammalian brains which still have a little bit of a lizard living in the back of them. You all know about the lizard brain, right? That lizard brain apparently isn't going away anytime soon. When we evolve... And this is stuff that's backed up by neuroscience, so, so I'm not just making stuff up and attributing it to people that, you know, blah, 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 blah. Uh, apparently, when human minds evolve, they don't really lose what they had to begin with, but they grow more. They grow more complex. They grow more capable. And we don't get rid of the lizard brain just because saber-toothed tigers are no more the lizard brain just takes on a new job. The lizard brain's job has always been to keep us safe. The reptilian mind has always been the one that is always on the lookout. Looking over here, looking over there, looking over there, looking over there, looking for is this out of place? Is that wrong? What's happening over here? Oh my God, what if that happens and what if that happens and what? You all have that living in your head? I certainly do. But as we have grown and evolved we have developed parts of our mind that are capable of observing that process and evaluating, is it helpful or not? Well, it certainly is helpful to have that little part of your brain at work if you're about ready to step off the curb in front of a bus. You know, it certainly is helpful that we still have that part of our brain that says, eh, wait a minute, look. And we stop and we look and we go, oh, well, okay, But if we allow that part of our brain to take over and rule us, obviously we will not be living our fullest life. We will be more concerned with what people will be thinking about us than living with love, living with joy, living with compassion. All of the things that we have evolved to know are more optimal. And so one of the ways, as we've been talking for these past few weeks, is to develop practices that will help us to train our minds to behave in a more efficient and optimal manner. And one of the very first practices that we talked about were denials and affirmations. And so this is the one that we speak here. This uh, this is a reworking of a biblical verse through Charles Fillmore and on through a few years here in our community of evolution. And so this first part, we are going to let go of the things that are no longer serving us, and then we are going to affirm the truth of what we are. So if you will, I will invite you to speak these words with me. Releasing the things that are behind, I realize I am strong, positive, powerful, wise, loving, fearless, free spirit. I am the infinite expressing at the point I am. I am peace in the midst of all matters. And so it is. Amen. So hopefully you got another little paper. I think some of them are orange and some of them are purple. Mine is white. It's no big deal. It's still the same words. And hopefully you have one that says alignment. Live the truth you know. Since the first of the year... We've been looking at what it is do, that unity actually teaches us, uh, and that goes through our five basic unity principles. And the fifth of those is that we, it's not enough for us to just learn this stuff. We have to actually live the truth that we know. Now, a whole lot of us, and, and I raise my hand, you know, way high on this one, A lot of us have read all the books. I mean all the books. You go back to the 70s and we've read all the books. We probably read the first Wayne Dyer book when it was new. And, you know, we have been reading all of those books for all of these years. And the books all kind of go like, wow, 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 have you read the latest Wayne Dyer book? And then... We forget about that, and then, oh, have you read the latest Eckhart Tolle, and then, ooh, and then, oh, have you read the latest Brene Brown? And what we do, for great part, along our journey, is we're sort of skimming along the top of Oprah's bestseller list. Before Oprah, there was still a bestseller list, and we were skimming along the top of that as well. And so what we tend to do, is we're all about whatever we're actually reading in that moment. But then it's kind of like we forget all that when the next book comes along. Have any of you noticed this habit in your life? Amazon loves that habit. Amazon just loves that habit. Emmett Fox, although I'm, I'm not being successful in emulating him in this, although I will say I've been enforcing a no-new-books moratorium on myself since the first of the year. And so far, I have gotten no new books since the first of the year. And the reason I haven't isn't because I'm not interested in learning, but it's because I already have so many books. And I should probably delve deeper into some of what I have. Emmett Fox. Many of you know who he was. He was a great, he was one of the great early New Thought teachers from about the, I would say about the late 30s into probably the late 40s to early 50s. And he was one of those that when he was teaching, he was teaching out of the Hippodrome in New York. And I've never been to New York, so I don't know, but I've seen pictures. But apparently it would hold four to five thousand people. And they would have speakers outside so that the overflow crowds could still hear his message. And so you had this massive hunger for ideas of how to live our lives. And Emmett Fox, as great a teacher as he was, he did not have a library I have a library and I justify it with, well, you know, I have to write and I have to give talks and I need to be able to refer to my books. Um, He kept apparently one book at a time. That was it. When he was done with that one, which might be six months or it might be two years, he would give that book to somebody and then he would get another book. And in one little essay that he wrote about this habit of his, He basically basically said that if it's truth, it's not that complicated, and we don't need a whole lot of books. We just need to really learn what we need to learn and put it into practice. And there you have the bottom line of Unity's Fifth Principle. It's not enough to just know this stuff. You have to actually put it into practice. I have shared many 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 times that while meditation is theoretically a foundation of our day, of our practice that pretty much my assumption is that everyone in this room who has been here for more than 3 or 4 weeks has an awareness that they would benefit from a time of daily stillness that's my assumption about all of you and that's been my assumption For a long time, because we all know that. And in my own life, I have shared several times that I actually never really made meditation a daily practice until I was being licensed as a unity teacher and had to sign a code of ethics. And the very first thing on that code of ethics was something along the lines of, I will endeavor to live my life according to the principles taught and modeled by Jesus, the Christ, which includes time for daily silence and prayer. And I found myself with this official document having to sign it and realizing, well, I'm kind of out of alignment right there on number one. Because my meditation practice was one of those things where I would meditate for maybe three or four days, and then maybe six months later go, oh, dang, I forgot to meditate for six months. So I would start again, and maybe this time I'd make it a week or two, and then it could be like three years later. I'm going, oh wow, I haven't been meditating much, have I? And it was literally, even though I knew it, my head knew it, everything I read told me, and I agreed with it. It wasn't like I had a quarrel with it. I just didn't do it. And it was truly not until I realized I was having to sign my name as a licensed Unity teacher that I would do this, that I actually made a daily practice of it. So we have all the good intentions of the world. This is where all that whole category of self-help books thrives on us and our good intentions. And I suspect that if we actually did as Emmett Fox suggested and found one book and really put it into practice. We wouldn't need all of the others. So this week, what I, what my intention is for this week's practice is that you will pick one. Pick one and put it into practice. Now when we say that our fifth unity principle, and I guess since we're talking about unity principles, I should just review, Our very first week we did this, I handed out a little card that said oompa on it. Does anybody remember the oompa card? Uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. Anybody remember what the first O is? One power. There's one power, one presence. One. What about the second O? O, O. Original good. If that one power, that one presence is good without opposite, and if we are created by, through, as, from that, how could we be anything but good? We do not teach original sin in unity. We believe that original sin is a mistake. We are created from good without opposite, so how could we possibly be anything less? doesn't mean that everything we do is quite so wonderful, but at our core, when we can remember to be what we are, that is good. The M is that it's through our mind, the activity of our mind that we create our life's experiences. That does not mean that we created the diagnosis. It does not mean that we created the bus that's going to mow us down if we don't look at it what it means is circumstances happen to everyone. We live within collective consciousness. We live in a human culture, a human species that believes in things like war, that believes in things like illness, that believes that competition is the only way you get ahead. The collective consciousness of humankind is still having an effect on us even if we don't believe in war. And even if we don't believe in illness, we still live within that collective consciousness. However, we have a mind through which we get to choose how we experience those circumstances. Pretty much most of the things that happen to us can be looked at as good or bad. And I would bet everybody in here knows somebody for whom the divorce was the best thing that ever happened to them. Somebody for whom losing that job when they were 37 was the best thing that ever happened to them. Others, of course, the divorce was the worst thing that ever happened to them, and they're going to spend the rest of their lives bemoaning that tragic thing. So our third unity principle is that it's our choice We get to choose how we meet the circumstances of our life. We create the experiences of our lives with our mind. And that means we want our mind to be working optimally. The P, of course, is prayer, and the A is action. As in, pray and move your feet. So when I say it's not enough just to know these things, but we have to actually live the truth that we know. Now, some of you may be instantly going, yeah, but I probably have read all those same self-help books that she has, so I know an awful lot of that stuff, but I can't possibly do all of that stuff. It's too much. Well, so here's the thing. Pick one. Pick one. And if you have mastered one, if meditation, and I would suggest meditation be the first one, but that's up to you because you're the boss of your own brain, You are the one who gets to decide. But if you have a solid meditation practice, add one more thing to it. Maybe begin investing time in journaling or core values research or I don't know, whatever it is for you. The principle doesn't say that we have to live all of the truth there is. It only says we have to live all of the truth we know. And... We don't have to do it all today. If you can, that's wonderful. But if you can, I suspect, I suspect you're not here. Some of you I hope would be. And I hope if you are living every bit of truth that you know, and that I don't know that, that you will let me know that so we can have a talk. Because your journey is important. So it's not enough. The Facebook equivalent of this is that our thoughts and prayers are fine, but we have to do also. So it's not that we don't believe in the power of prayer. We absolutely do. Unity was founded on the power of prayer. And I believe that prayer can change things that we could work our whole life at, and it would never get changed, except through prayer we come together on a level that is not interfered with through the collective consciousness so much. So I want you for just a moment to just pause, and however long you have been on a path of seeking, and for some of us, we knew when we were that big, that we were on some kind of a weird journey that we that other people didn't really seem to get. And then there were others, like a friend of mine who said a few years ago, it was like one day I was 57 and I woke up and i thought what have i been doing and truly had truly had the experience of waking up one day in a different state of consciousness so i'm just going to invite you for a few moments to consider all of the stuff that you have ever learned that you consider to be capital t truth i don't mean stuff that's really only true for you if you are at a certain economical le- economic level or stuff that, is, that would not be true for others who were not at your economic level. I don't mean stuff that's only true for those of us who live in the West, but for those who live in the forests, in the East. The peasant in China. What truth applies to you that also applies to them? And I hope that what you will be focusing on are things like the need for compassion, forgiveness, Willingness to be present with your loved ones in any given moment. What is it that you know to be true? And are you, and you don't have, I'm not gonna even ask for a raising of the hands on this one, but are you actually living that truth in the highest manner that you believe you're capable of? I truly do believe that we are all always doing the best we can. Even if we're not living up to our own expectations, we're doing the best we can at living up to our own expectations. But sometimes, for reasons unknown, we know we could do better, and we just don't. We know that we could reach out to someone who may be struggling, but for whatever reason, we just don't. Or we know we could make the phone call to that family member that we've had a long-standing argument with. We know that we could pick up the phone and we could be the one to say hi. You know, I haven't told you I love you lately. And trust that the conversation will go where it needs to go. But day after day, we just don't. So each of us, I believe, has some place in our lives that We know what the next step is. You know, I I hear a lot of people, people will tell me, well, I do do what I'm supposed to do if I just knew what it was. You know, you don't need to know the next 37 steps. All you really need to know is what's the next one. And when you take that one, then you'll know what the next one is. But a lot of us don't want to take that first step because we don't know where it's going to lead. We have some level of fear of the unknown. So we just keep saying, well, if they really wanted to hear from me, they'd call me. And they may be thinking, well, if they really wanted to hear from me, they'd call me. Somebody's got to call. Somebody's got to make that first step. So as we move into our time of quieting, one of the steps in our prayer process is always just simple concentration. And that doesn't mean that we're squinting up our face and we're really trying to concentrate. It just means the direction I'm inviting my thoughts to are what are the highest and best for me in this. And I'm just going to invite each of you to take into your time of quieting here the willingness to know what is the step, the one step that I could take Today. I'm not gonna make you get out a piece of paper and promise me that you're gonna do it or anything else. You still get to choose. But what is the one step that you could take? We don't wanna, we don't wanna go down the path of why you haven't or why it's not a good idea, but what is the one step that you could take? So I just invite you to allow your bodies to be at ease. Allow yourself to be comfortable. For me, the breath is always a good beginning point. We know that there is only one power, one presence. It goes by whatever name we choose to give it. But it is that which is greater. And it is that which we are. We are that one power, that one presence, in expression at the point of us. We may not know the whole reason, but this is not a random universe. There is an underlying order to things. And I believe that each and every one of us is necessary, or else we wouldn't be here. If that which is infinite wisdom has somehow shown up in the world as you, then you must be necessary to that infinite wisdom of the universe. One of the ways that we can connect with that is simply through the breath, that sacred breath, and focusing on our heart space. And it may sound kind of woo-woo, but this is another one of those things science is actually backed up. That the simple act of breathing and holding in your imagination the idea that your heart is breathing with each breath helps to settle our body into a state known as coherence, which is another kind of a word for alignment. So we breathe. If thoughts come, we just let them leave. Not now. Thank you. Later. In this moment, I'm focusing within, and I am open and receptive to my next right and perfect action. Another practice that is helpful for me and for some of us is music. So as this next song plays by our friend Faith Rivera, feel free to sing along if you wish, or simply feel free to allow her words to sink into your heart.
1: Be a dreamer, believing what can be. I'm called to be a maker, be an instrument of peace. I'm called to be a giver of a bond inside. I'm called to be a prayer, living out the truth I see. I'm What on to be your neighbor me, See your me. friend the broken is free. We are called to be forgiveness where pain has run too deep. We are called to be compassion, be the wind beneath each wing. We are called to make communion, only then can we succeed. We are called to be a.
0: what are you calling forth from yourself? When we talk about a calling, we're not talking about Moses up on the mountain telling us all that someone out there named God has told us this is what you need to do. We're talking about this voice, this dialect of the heart, which speaks uniquely to us, and it is us, in our highest, purest essence, it is that which has found it necessary to express as you. you may have thought that you needed to wait your whole life until some big, grand plan was revealed. But for the most part, the world isn't made better by big, grand plans, but by an endless and countless number of small acts of compassion, of truth, of willingness... of the decision made in our soul to live life fully. And at some point, we know that there is something for us to do. It may be as simple as actually reading that book that you bought three years ago that's still just sitting there. But something is calling you. And that something is your higher self. Your higher power. Your divine existence. It may involve saying words that are difficult to say. It may involve making a decision. Or acting on a choice. That you know is right, even though it's challenging. And it may simply be the choice to realize that the first thing I have to do is get my life in order. The first thing I have to do is clean out that drawer in my kitchen. So for this period of time, we will just sit in silence together, holding in our hearts all beings everywhere. And knowing that we are connected and that our highest good involves all of the others to whom we are connected. And if a thought has come to you of a next step to take, ask yourself for an honest answer, am I willing to do that? And it may be a big yes, I am willing to do that. And it may be a, I really don't know if I'm willing to do that. And at that point ask yourself, am I willing to be willing? That may be easier. For each of us here, for each of our friends who are not here present with us, for everyone who has asked for our prayers, for everyone everywhere, all beings everywhere, we sit with the willingness to express the good without opposite that we are. We sit with the genuine willingness to take the next step. We know good for those who so far have seen only evil. We know peace for those who live in chaos. We claim health, wholeness, the awareness of light and love, and the truth that peace is everywhere present, right here in our midst as our elder brother, as our way-shower Jesus told us. We also recognize it is our responsibility to claim it and to express it. For all of this good, seen and unseen, we give thanks. For all of the teachers, known and unknown, we express gratitude. And we go forth today knowing that each step we take in light, in love, and in peace has just made the entire universe that much lighter and more loving and more peaceful. We know all of this is so. We know it is true. And so it is. Amen. One step. That's it, one step each day. And some days you're just not going to feel like it. Some days you are just going to be like a little two-year-old having a tantrum. And I say this because I've witnessed a lot of that two-year-old having a tantrum in myself. And when I talk to others about it, it seems we all kind of have this little inner two-year-old that just wants to say, yeah, but I just don't want to. And someone has to parent that inner two-year-old. And guess who that someone is? So if you're kind of all proud of yourself because your two-year-old is like 35 now and paying taxes and all of that good stuff and you're thinking, I did pretty good. My little two-year-old actually grew up to learn how to be a contributing citizen of this of this universe. Think about that little two-year-old within you. And And on those days that you just don't want to, realize that you have you have faculties. You have a faculty of strength, which is your faculty which allows you to persevere. You have the faculty of will, which is your ability to choose. And so you can choose. You know, you get to choose. And if you're going to choose not to, at least let it be a conscious choice. Don't just forget. Don't just ignore it. But one step, I hope that each and every one of you will go home today, or maybe your, maybe your one step is even before you leave the building. And just take that one step. And then tomorrow, one more. And at some point, you'll begin to realize that you're actually making the choices in your life from the standpoint of, this is my truth, I'm standing in my truth, and what is it best for me? and for everyone else in this moment. And as long as we're consciously asking ourselves that question and acting from the response that comes from within us, and this is where no one else gets to tell you what your answer is. No one else gets to tell you what your answer is. If you choose to ask someone else their opinion, remember that's what it is. Their opinion, and they're looking at it from the outside. And it can be helpful to ask people's opinions. But remember, you're the one that gets to choose. So that's our practice for this week is to align yourself in truth in each moment. And sometimes, sometimes it's just real simple. You're stuck in traffic. You ever notice how much I talk about traffic? I talk about traffic a lot. That's cause I drive a lot. Like, uh, there's a new, there's a new disappeared road between my house and here today. I did not know that. So I get to choose. I get to choose to be annoyed. I get to choose to just figure, well, you know, there's actually not much traffic at 8 o'clock on a Sunday morning, so it probably doesn't matter. Or I get to choose to take an alternate route. Or I could focus and choose on how every place I seem to have to go has road traffic on it, has construction on it. And I could focus on how my path is being impeded every single step of the way. Or I could breathe... And I could just say, in this moment, I'm going to choose peace. And I'm about 50/50. I used to be about 98 2 So 50/50 is like really good, really good for me. That's it for today. Um, if you've missed any of the uh, any of the previous weeks, and you would like to, um, you know, pick up on some of the other things because you've not been here um, over in the fellowship area, not not where Mark is, but where Mark is pointing you will find very brightly colored papers out there. That's it. Take your step. I will. And we could share, but we don't have to. (laughs) Thank you, everybody.